A meeting is a moment that matters. In every meeting, the culture shows up. So what an opportunity that offers. This is Walking Your Talk, a personal development podcast about leadership, authenticity and courage. I'm Carolyn Taylor, and I've spent my life working with leaders in organizations on how to change their culture. But this is much more personal. If you want to be known as someone who walks your talk at work and beyond, then this podcast is for you. Hello. Those of you who listen to these podcasts regularly will know that my purpose in doing them is to provide you with ideas and tips on how you can walk your talk. How can you be a more authentic and consistent role model for those principles that you believe in and um, that the leadership approach you take aligns to those and to the culture you're trying to build in your team and in your organisation. So today, as a part of this series, which I'm calling Walk and Talk, I'm going to cover one of the most important opportunities you have to walk your talk, or not. I'm going to cover meetings, that much-loved and much-aligned way in which we all interact at work. So I know that all of you who are listening to this podcast, same with me, will have a calendar which is always nearly full of meetings, and many of you will be saying, there's too many meetings. And you'll be feeling frustrated or bored or anxious or just downright desperate with the way in which so many of those meetings operate and how often they just feel like a waste of time. So if meetings were improved, if they really did live up better to the cultural goals of your company, wouldn't that be great? I always feel that any progress we can make on meetings just has this huge ripple effect. So I've got some, I think, particularly valuable experience to share with you here, which is going to help me to talk about these with you, because one of the services that our company, Walking the Talk, offers is to observe client, ordinary business client meetings, and then give them feedback on what we see. So I spend a fair amount of my time each week observing different teams from different organizations, different meeting types, conduct these meetings. And I see what a difference it can make when a team makes just some small adjustments based on the feedback that I give them or based on some ideas they've had knowing how important meetings are. So my goal here is to see if we can make every meeting that you can influence a manifestation of an expression of the culture that you're trying to establish or your organization is trying to establish. And I want to also show you how easy it is for meetings to be the place where leaders, unfortunately, do lose credibility because they're not walking their talk. So I'm going to look at four dimensions. The who, the why, the what, and the how. So let's start with the who. Who does attend? Who has the right to decline a meeting? Who is invited? Who else shows up? What's really at play here? 
because just in the who alone, we have this microcosm of the culture in action. So you see fear of missing out. I'd better be there because this is where I can show that I'm good or this is where key decisions are going to get made. You see empowerment. What is the smallest, most efficient group of people who can make a decision? And does the boss really need to be present or is this a self-managed team possibility? You see people needing to have all the information People bringing additional attendees because they're afraid of not having all the answers. You see information being power. You see whether there are outsiders from other parts of the organization who would benefit from attending but are not invited. You see hierarchy, how many levels attend. And if it's many, it is an inclusive meeting where people are treated as equals. So there are just so many factors to juggle, really, when you call a meeting or you can influence who gets called. And you've got to decide which matters the most based on the culture that you're building. So speed, efficiency, clear decision-making, if that's the priority, then you would choose to invite fewer people. And then you need to build trust with those who are not attending that good decisions will be made on their behalf. If empowerment is your key, then reducing the layers of attendees and forcing lateral groups to sort things out on their own. If you're trying to get a one-team culture, then you might choose to invite a broader cross-section of people. If you're trying to build a customer-centric culture, maybe you invite people who are closest to the customer who will represent the voice of the customer. If you're trying to build more in inclusivity, then you will invite people with very diverse views, and so on and so on. So the key, I think, is to be conscious and to be aware of the fact that meetings will tend to grow, attendees will tend to grow, and you need to be really deliberate and always think about the symbolism. So what behaviour is the composition of this meeting encouraging and what behaviour is it tolerating? Because remember, culture is what is encouraged, what is discouraged, what is tolerated, what is not tolerated. And Steve Jobs used to start meetings by asking everyone in the room why they were in the meeting. And if they didn't have a good enough reason, they were asked to leave. Now, the story is told in a lot of detail in a book called Insanely Simple, which is a fantastic book to read if you want to just see how a culture is built around a specific principle, which in this case was simplicity at Apple. But everything associated meetings is just so symbolic. And I think in every case, you have to make choices if you want to use meetings in a positive way. And those choices will reveal your values hierarchy. Because you have to choose one thing over another. You've got to favor one choice. And so if you intend to change your culture then you have to change that values hierarchy. I did a whole episode on this, episode 17 in this podcast, if you want more information on what the values hierarchy is and how it changes. So, as you consider the who should attend and the meaning behind that, your thinking should then, I think, also expand to the why. Why is this meeting occurring and what is its purpose? At the simplest level... 
If its purpose is to make decisions, for example, then the group needs to be smaller. But so often this fundamental point is missed in favour of a desire to be inclusive, to keep everyone happy, and to support people's fear of missing out. Of course, if you have a large number of direct reports forming a team and then the team gets invited to every meeting, and then in a matrix organisation people belong to two or three teams, they'll always be in meetings. And the difficult conversations about not attending are usually avoided, I find. I think harmony and inclusiveness is given priority over speed, for example, or over quality of debate, because you can't have a quality debate with lots and lots of people. Now, that's okay if it's conscious and if it's deliberate, but it's not really okay if it's the result of conflict avoidance, and unfortunately I think that is often the case. So that's one level of why. Is it a decision-making meeting, an information-sharing meeting, an ideas generation or building alignment? What is the purpose of this team? And then I think there's the deeper why. So what is this meeting leading us towards or our higher purpose, our contribution to customers or to the community or to the well-being of our people? So all of those things really need to be considered when you define in one sentence what is the purpose of this particular meeting and therefore this particular group of people, the why and the who. By defining the why, you can often reduce a lot of waste of time, you know, which happens when meetings lack purpose and frustration increases and people start switching off. And then the culture of busyness, which is a culture that we often find, busyness without outcomes as a sort of cultural norm, that tends to emerge from a failure to define the why of every occasion when people meet. So who and why, and next we come to what. So what is going to be in the agenda of this meeting? And once again, here's a great opportunity for symbolism because an agenda forces choices. Changing agendas is actually a really powerful symbol of a new culture emerging and, or a new hierarchy of values, if you like. I have one client who always used to start every monthly meetings with review of the previous month's financial performance because that was the first agenda item and so it was never hurried or skipped, which happens to later items. So it sent a signal about what was the priority. And this, this guy was trying to build a much more focused on the customer kind of culture into his organization. So the team picked two more strongly customer-centric metrics and then started every meeting with those. One of them was market share because they reckoned that if they were getting more revenue than the competitors, then they must be doing something right for customers. And second was a set of metrics that was associated with repeat business from existing customers, which again is you know, a good indication of customer satisfaction. So by starting the meeting with those two items rather than the past financial performance, he was shifting the focus and the team could claim validly, I think, that they were walking their talk because they were having much deeper discussions on customer-related items and making important decisions as a result. And of course, remember, it wasn't only what they were doing, but what gets measured gets done. And because those items have priority, then people were preparing data for those agenda items. So the increased customer focus was going beyond the people who were actually attending that meeting. So the what is 
what are gender items, what sequence, because remember later items often get bumped, and how you allocate relative time to each of those. And the person who sets an agenda really controls very powerful symbols of walking your talk and aligning meetings to those culture goals. So don't just do it in a thoughtless manner, I think is my key message here. So finally, how? We've done who and why and what, so now we'll do how. How people behave in meetings. That could be the subject of a whole book on its own. So given I've only just got a few minutes, I want to just list the areas that we found are the most revealing of the culture in a team and the culture of a company and actually even the values of the individuals concerned. Each one of these is worthy of your team's attention. So who speaks? How balanced is speaking time? Do people inquire of each other and draw out the opinions of those who are naturally quieter? Do people participate? Do they stay engaged? Do they keep speaking? And then why do people speak? Do they speak to progress an emerging discussion or do they speak to show off their own importance? Do they speak to challenge the prevailing view or to put somebody else down? So who speaks? Why do people speak? Diverse views. How easily are different points of views voiced? Is conflict encouraged in a constructive way? Respect is another one. Respect for time. Do people take more than their allotted time slot and deprive others of theirs? Does the meeting start on time and end on time? Do people listen to each other with respect? Are they welcoming? Are they encouraging? Do they have the respect to read the pre-work? And do the presenters then have the respect not to reiterate all the pre-work? Our reaching alignment is another one. How well is the decision reached? How do easily do people, having heard all the views, accept a final decision even if it wasn't their going in position? And then committing to action. Can I count on you? You can count on me. Building the confidence that action will occur. So all of those are what I would call hows. And as you can see, each one of them could be a book. But just think about how you're behaving and Give each other feedback, you know, set some ground rules, work on it bit by bit, because those are also ways in which you display the culture and opportunities. They're key opportunities for a group to behave in line with how they want to operate, their ways of working that they've defined will build the better culture. So who, why, what and how? So many opportunities to build your values and to show your culture in action. Meetings can really become the centre of a culture, the place where people have to interact with each other and where there is a change, any change, which can allow a group to operate better and to move closer to what you're trying to achieve, your performance goals, your purpose. So I do encourage you to think about the who, the what, the why and the how, or even just one of those, because every meeting is a moment that matters in your efforts to become an authentic leader who walks your talk. So goodbye for now. I look forward to hear, being with you in my next episode.